thank you all so much for coming today. Man, how are we all doing? It's good? It's a good day? It's a good day to worship together. It's a good day to be together in community, right? Isn't Gracie just like the sweetest, most well-spoken 10-year-old? Amen. I'm looking forward to celebrating with her family, um, her baptism at our 12 o'clock service today. But man, she just has such a beautiful witness and beautiful testimony and and beautiful way of speaking uh, that's just so sweet and so tender. And I'm so glad um, we get to baptize her and celebrating with the Matiko family, the baby dedicated. She's so cute. (laughs) It's such an honor uh, to just have our church family growing. Um, Every day, every week, it's like there's another baby dedication and more baptisms and more baptisms to come as we prepare for Easter. And it's just so beautiful to see this body of Christ, to see this community grow in faithfulness and grow in number. And and so I'm just so glad that you're here. If you're joining us online, I'm so glad you've tuned in today. And I hope this is a blessing for all of you. Um, as you know, we're in our series, Witness. And we're in our final, um, final week of the series. And, um, and Pastor Tim is gone this week. He's at a memorial service and supporting a family, a close family um, friend of his. And so just thank you for being with us and being with me today as I'm with you. Um, instead of Pastor Tim. So as you know, like if you've been tuning in the past seven weeks, you've heard our series about witness and you've heard us talk about um, the voice of a broken witness. You've heard us talk about um, the opposite end of the spectrum, the voice of a joyful witness and and, uh, unheard or um, maybe overlooked witness in uh, the voice of the women in scripture. And you've seen us talk about a community of witnesses and the impact that that has. And um, we've talked about Simon of Cyrene and that African witness that's a point of view that we don't often look at or hear from. And um, we talked about the Ethiopian as well and how sometimes we are the seeker and sometimes we are the one to present the information to the seeker. We can be both, um, we can be both the Ethiopian and Philip. So We have gone through this whole series looking at the voices in Scripture and how they bear witness to the work of Christ in their life. And if you've missed any of these weeks, just go back online on YouTube, crosswalkvillage.com, check out the the weeks you may have missed in this series. It's a good one. There's a series guide that goes with it, and it's it's just been a beautiful um, message each week from Pastor Tim and from our team here. So it, um, it only makes sense that as we close out this series, we ask one final question. As, as we've heard from the voices in Scripture, now it is time to hear our own voice. And so our final question is, what is your witness to the world? Right, we've heard the stories, we've seen the stories, we've read about them in scripture, we've heard about them um, from uh, this stage here, but what is your witness to the world? How have these stories impacted you? How has the work of Christ impacted you? And so we begin this study in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 3. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it says, We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and actually heard, so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, this is the very beginning of 1 John, and and this is his letter. It's likely written to 
these um, small house churches that were there in the area of Ephesus. And so he lays out, he has, he has a, um, a way of laying out his right to speak, his right to continue on with the rest of the letter that he's writing. And he writes that out by, um, by saying that this is my personal experience with Christ. This is how I have personally experienced Christ's work in my life. This is what I've seen, and this is what I've heard, and this is my story that I'm sharing with you. That's how he starts the letter, and that's how he continues going on with that. And so I stop and ask you, what is it that you have seen God do? Where has God been moving in your life? Have you seen maybe divine providence Um, or maybe even divine intervention in something that's happened in your life. Um, Maybe God's hand came in at just the moment that you needed it. Maybe you can answer this immediately. Where Where do you see God at work in your life? Maybe some instance comes to your mind immediately. You don't even have to think. You know exactly how God has been at work in your life, whether to bring healing to brokenness, whether to bring healing to relationships or to bring miraculous things about that you can explain in no other way than the hand of God is at work in your life. Or maybe you're thinking to yourself, I have not seen a miracle. I don't have a big uh, 180 degree story to tell about my life. I don't know where God is. I'm not even sure he's in my life. I just don't know. Maybe you're looking for that miracle and maybe you need to see that big event or that big neon sign to let you know that God is with you and God is working in your life and you just haven't seen it yet. But wherever you are at in this spectrum, whether you know instantly the story of God's provision or whether you are waiting to see, know that he is at work. Maybe just by the fact that you are alive and present, maybe just by the fact that you are here in this space today, that's the miracle. Your life is the miracle. John doesn't give anyone else's testimony here but his own which makes his story so much more meaningful. And just like that, we also cannot give witness to someone else's life. That's a story for them to tell and for us to be blessed by hearing. But when we speak of what we know, we speak uh, firsthand of what God has done for us. And we see firsthand what God has done directly because we saw it with our own eyes and we heard it with our own ears and we experienced it with our own lives. And when we share what God has done with us, that's the message that someone else needs to hear. You might be talking to someone and they need to hear your story. They don't need to hear how you experience someone else's story. They need to hear your experience with Christ. And as you share these stories, these shared narratives, they, they, these stories that we share, this witness that we share, this, this experience brings people together. I don't know, I don't know um, if your family has this tradition of camping. Um, I know in mine, we love to camp. I grew up camping. My husband and I camp. We took our baby out camping at four weeks old, which was a whole fun event. I highly recommend it to anyone. <laughs> We survived. It was good. But, but we love camping. And, and we camp in tents. We camp in a camper. We camp in cabins. We camp sometimes in, out under the stars. And maybe, maybe you're like me. No matter 
how uh, it is that you like to camp or, or how um, your experience with camping has been, there's one thing that really, really makes it feel like camping. And that is a campfire, right? If there's no campfire, did you even camp? <laughs> there were no s'mores, there were no burnt hot dogs. Like it's, it's the campfire. That's like the core element of camping. It's the campfire right in the middle. And around that campfire, maybe you've had this experience like me, um, where you are looking into the flames and, you know, life is, you know, you're contemplating all the things of life and everything as you look at that fire. And then someone starts sharing like a story about their life right, around the campfire. You talk about things that you normally wouldn't, but you share these stories and build this community around the campfire. And, and it's this beautiful experience where you, where you find out these things about the people around your campfire you had no idea, but, but here you are just talking and sharing and being together in community. That campfire has that, this kind of magical element to bring out the stories and to bring out this shared experience that we have. And when we share these stories, these firsthand accounts of what God has done, it also builds that fellowship in that community. It builds a fellowship of believers. And this fellowship of believers is what builds up the church. And, and when we build up the church, we build up the kingdom of God. All by one story or one witness. And really, that's what we're instructed to do, isn't it? Build up the church, build up the kingdom. Go make disciples of all people, right? You know this text. If you are like me, you grew up, um, or, or maybe you're like me, you grew up in an Adventist church, or maybe you're familiar with this text. You've heard it somewhere before in someone's sermon or read it somewhere. Um, in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, maybe you only read it in the series guide, and that's okay, but we talk about this great commission, so Matthew 28, 19 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus' earthly ministry is coming to a close in this text, and he's with his disciples, and he's, he's, he's getting ready to ascend into um, the heavens and not be with them anymore, and his earthly ministry is closing, and he leaves these instructions for his followers. Like a compliment sandwich, he says, um, it's given between these two promises. There's this difficult task right in the middle. The promise that he gives us is um, that he will give his power. Right? Nothing is outside or beyond the power of the one who just conquered death. He had just risen from the grave and conquered death. And so when he says, I have all authority on earth and in heaven, that's beyond question, beyond shadow of a doubt, because he just rose from the dead. So he says, I give my power to you. And then here's the difficult part right in the middle. It's his commission he sent them out to make disciples of the whole world. And you might, you might think, um, you know, Pastor Karen, that's pretty crazy. Like, I don't have a passport, so I'm not going anywhere. Like, <laughs> how am I supposed to travel and preach to all nations and all people, and I am not leaving the States? Or, or maybe you don't like to travel, or maybe just the thought of going somewhere else seems so big, right? 
Maybe you grew up like me in an Adventist community where you were told, like, all people have to hear about Jesus before he comes back. And so it's up to you to go out and tell them. And then I lived with this idea of guilt, like, oh, no, I need to, like, go to the other side of the world to people who don't know Jesus or speak English and, like, tell them. And, and you know, for maybe some of you, that's what you're called to do, but probably what's more likely is you're called to witness to the people right here in your own language, in your own community, maybe even in your own home or your own workplace. So the gospel is a lot closer to home than we think. We don't have to. There are people who do and are people who are called to, but we don't have to go that far away to share our witness, to share what God has done to make disciples and to tell all people. And so when he, when he says, this is a great, um, this is a great commission, this is, this, is, this is what he asks us to do and know this, that we don't have to have all the answers or know all the things or go far away or worry about it being awkward because Jesus will win them over. He will use our story and our words to win them over for us. And then finally, he adds this, this second promise, kind of the first promise of power. Then he gives you the hard task of the commission to go out and tell everyone. And then, he, and then he says, and also here's one more promise, his presence. I can imagine those disciples at the top of the mountain were feeling so overwhelmed with this burden of the commission to go and make disciples of all people. You want all 12 of us to like go win over the world? How on earth are we going to reach everybody? How are we going to baptize everybody? How are we going to tell all people about Christ? But when he sent them out, when Jesus sent them out, he promised, I will be with you even to the end of the age. My presence will go with you. The Holy Spirit will guide you. The Holy Spirit will go with you and give you the words to say and the things to do. And as you share your story, your story will be shared with someone else and they will feel empowered to share their story who will share it with someone else. And then you don't have to win over hundreds of people. You win over one. You tell one about your experience and that one tells another and that one tells another and tells another. So this idea isn't the first time, you know, when, when the disciples were there on the top of the mountain, that wasn't the first time they'd heard this idea. Jesus had been telling them over and over and over in his ministry with them. And another place where he talks about this idea of being with you and giving you power and walking with you in this witness is found in John chapter 15. And I'll read verse 5 and then 16. It says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 16 continues, you, don't, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And these texts come from this part of the Bible, um, this, this part of John that we consider the farewell discourse as he's preparing them for his departure. And many times Jesus spoke in ways to prepare his disciples for his departure and, and that he would no longer be with them and they, they oftentimes just didn't get it and, 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 and didn't 
um, fully understand, but he, he tries over and over again. And in here he's using the imagery of the vine and the branches to describe um, people who will refuse to listen. They're like, a, they're like a branch that isn't producing fruit and it has to be cut off and burned. And um, he describes uh, people who profess to be Christians but don't actually practice. They're like beautiful leafy bushes, but there's no fruit. They look beautiful on the outside and they grew up very nicely, but there's no fruit coming from them. They just look pretty, but there's no substance. And finally, he talks about those who heard the gospel and accepted it. Um, those who heard the gospel and accepted it and shared it, they are producing fruit by partnering with Christ and remaining in him. That's a beautiful, beautiful promise. And, and in here, we, we see how God calls us to remain in him how he promises to be with us and walk with us and go before us. So you don't have to worry about whatever is happening in your workplace. You don't have to worry about like this awkward conversation where if you're like me, you're like, well, how am I going to start this conversation with this person and be like, Christ is a risen savior and he loves you and he loves me. And that's kind of an awkward conversation, right? It can feel that way. But when we talk about how we firsthand experience God or how God has worked firsthand in our lives and we see him, People just are attracted to that. People are attracted because you're different. I, I, I experienced this once when I was in Argentina. We were, we were studying uh, Spanish there, and we were at a park in Buenos Aires, and, and, and we were just goofing off, you know, being college students, whatever, in the park, and eating our sandwiches. And, and this woman came up to us, and, and she said to us, what is it that you have? Now, you know, I'm thinking, like, oh, I got a sandwich, and I got some, like, da-da-da, some, like, local, you know, like, we're just, we're just kids goofing off. But she said, no, like, what is it you have? There's something different. I don't know what it is. It's like you're peaceful, and you're, like, kind to each other, and, and, and you look different. What is that? I want that in my life. She came up to us. We didn't, like... We didn't go out and stand on the street corner and seek out people to tell this to. She came to us. She was attracted for some reason to whatever it was that we were doing, and that's how God works. He brings those people into your life that need to hear your story, not someone else's, that need to hear your witness. And so, and so we have this text in Romans that talks about that, Romans chapter 10, verse 13, 14, and 15. It says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And um, I skipped one. How, yes, I did. <laughs> For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, verse 13. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone goes out and tells them the good news? How will anyone tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. And it's so strange to think about, like, beautiful feet. So, you know, like, a lot of us have a complex, like, oh, my toes are gross. I mean, I don't know. Beautiful. Feet are not beautiful, usually. Uh, they're kind of smelly. And, and here in scripture, it's saying, like, even the feet of the people who bring good news are beautiful and blessed because they carried that message of hope to someone who needed to hear it. And so, and so we come to this point in Scripture in Acts 26, 18. And it says, we, we preach this to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light 
and from the power of Satan to God. And then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart in faith in me. That's Acts 26, 18. So here we, we know that God opens their eyes. We know that God calls them into something that they've never seen before. He turns darkness into light and he turns those who are facing the wrong way, he turns them around to face the right way, the way that's clear and they can clearly see him. He transforms them from holding, being held in Satan's grasp to being held in God's arms. He gives forgiveness of sins. And he pays the penalty for our sin. He purifies and recreates us in him and in his image. And he offers forgiveness and hope and fellowship. And as we share our witness of how God has worked in our life, how God has manifest himself in our lives, we can share that fellowship and that hope and that forgiveness with someone who needs to hear that story someone who needs to hear your story. So I ask again, what are we witnesses of? What do we witness to? What have you seen and heard in your life and what is your witness to the world? And I wanna talk about this, I'm just gonna take a moment in a very tangible way because right now, and, and, and yes, in our lives, and yes, in our homes and community, we know that there's brokenness and that there's hurt and that there's pain. But right now in the world, there is a war raging on the other side of the country. And we condemn that violence. We condemn that war. We stand with the people who are hurting and broken in Ukraine right now. And so when we talk about what is your witness and what can you do and how do, I, how, do I, how do I share this hope and good news when there's so much brokenness around me, when it seems like the world is falling apart and it seems like everything is going dark. I ask you to open your hearts to God, to be open and willing to see how he is leading, to see what he has for you to do to see how, in the words of uh, Fred Rogers, how you can be the helper in this situation. Because it's really easy, like we do so often, to just tune out, and tune out the news, tune out what's going on far away. But, but there are teachers there, you're a teacher here. If you're um, a skateboarder here, there's a skateboarder there. If you're a runner here, there's a runner there. If you're an electrician here, there's an electrician there. And no one wants that violence. No one wants to go to war. So look within your heart to see how God is guiding and leading in a very practical way, not just to share what you have witnessed and what you have seen God do, but how you can be that witness and how you can be the helper where it's needed most. So I want to offer this moment just for, just for you to open your heart. Ask God what he wants you to tell someone else. Ask God how he wants you to work in a tangible way, to bring healing, to bring hope, to be a part of his fellowship and to bring, bring that light to someone in need. 
where your witness and your story you share with someone who shares their witness and story with someone else, who shares their witness and story with someone else. And we grow in fellowship and build the kingdom together. So bow your heads with me. Holy God, creator of the universe, mighty to save, the one who spoke this earth and each of us into existence out of dust and nothing in thin air. You are the one who brings forgiveness, the one who guides. You are the one who promises you will never leave us or forsake us, who walks with us and says, I will bring all people to me. So help us as we walk, as we live, as we go about our days to be open to where you lead, to be open to your story in our lives and to sharing that story with others. To be able to say this is how we witness you, God. To be able to know that you are there working in our hearts and in our lives. And we are so grateful that you choose us by name, you call us by name, and you lead us on your path. And so we thank you in your great name and your, your holy promise for us as your children, sons and daughters of the King. We pray this believing, trusting, hoping in you, in your holy name, amen.